This is Top Floor, episode 26. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 26. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Robin Joliet's career is a study in the art of saying yes. From housekeeping and guest services to sales and accounting, Robin worked for a company where she got to experience various positions across the organization. When that corporate housing company merged with several others, the depth and breadth of her experience made her what seems to me invaluable, and she continued to earn leadership roles across the business. After stints as regional general manager over cities across the country, she took on the call center, commuting from Cincinnati to DC every week. Firmly ensconced in the tech side of the business, Robin worked to develop sourcing technology and open offices across the globe. Along the way, she figured out how a corporate housing company could do a better job of sourcing inventory and serving customers. As a result, when she joined Aboda and Reside, she knew exactly what the new company should do to remove friction from the corporate housing process and how to leverage technology to optimize the experience. Robin is Chief Technology Officer at Reside, and she and I are going to talk about how to make the corporate housing buying process better for both property owners and guests. But before we dive in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning marketing questions. If you'd like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Lila. Here's what she said. I've watched a lot of my hotel colleagues move into senior living and corporate housing. Are they really that similar? What skills do I need to highlight and what do I need to brush up on if I want to make that same move? So that's interesting, Robin. That has been so much the case, particularly over the pandemic period, that people have moved into those sides of the business. What do you think about Lila's question? Well, I think it's a great question. And I think over the years, we've seen a lot of crossover. I know in my experience, Um, When looking for new talent and new managers, we definitely see a pool that does come from the hotel industry. What I would say to Lila is, you know, both are the hospitality business. So there is a similarity when you're thinking about hospitality because at the end of the day, you're taking care of people, whether that be seniors, you know, that have aged and are looking for a comfortable place to kind of go through the rest of their time or corporate housing where you have people that are actually living for an extended period of time with you. So how you take care of your guests will always be the same. What I have seen in my experience is that there is this 
transition period. And I think, you know, running a standalone building is very different to doing corporate housing. You're managing a variety of locations, a variety of uh, property owners, furniture companies, utilities. So it's much more encompassing logistically that as we have brought on hotel um, managers and those that were in the space and had worked in previous hotels, that seems to be where they bump into it a little bit. Our inventory also fluctuates. So because we can be today, we could have in hotel terms, you know, 100 rooms to sell. And tomorrow you could have 150 based on our variety of lease terms. Um, that's something that they really have to learn. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that about that sort of elastic inventory. Okay. It's one of the biggest differences between corporate housing and hotels is, you know, that is a fixed building with fixed rooms for a fixed period of time. And we really have the flexibility to scale. So because we're dealing with individual lease terms for every apartment that we take, um, that could be a three-month lease. It could be a 12-month lease. And they just are constantly coming on board and expiring. So every day, you're managing a different inventory set. So numbers are important. Uh, math is real important, I would say, moving <laughs> over in this direction. Um, but honestly, being a good leader and taking care of people definitely translates between the two. That is interesting. Wow. Well, I can't wait to learn more about corporate housing. Um, but one of the most interesting things I think about you is the fact that you have a hospitality degree, but you knew from very early on that you did not want to work in either a restaurant or a hotel. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell me what drove that feeling, I guess, or that thinking? Yeah, the irony's rich on that one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's crazy, but it's interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah. To be honest, I actually fell into hospitality. You know, at 18, when you start college, um, there are so many options and so many choices for you to make. And you kind of make those decisions very quickly based on what you think you want to do or what you can do. So as I started my uh, college career, I really started to learn more about myself and my studies. And I realized that some of my first decisions weren't really working out for me. Um, so I had to find something that could be relatable to what I had been studying, but encompass the components I was interested in. Hospitality management really translated and I was able to move a lot of what I had been doing over into uh, those studies. I mean, I loved my business classes. I loved my legal classes. I loved my F&B classes. So it kind of just seemed like a fit for me. But I was very fearful of being married to a restaurant or a hotel. I have had family members that were in the industry. And you know, the long hours and the constant uh, pull away from the family, I saw a lot of relocation happening to kind of be able to move up that corporate ladder. And these were just things I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do or that I wanted to do. So about midway through, I was looking for a new job and found an ad in the paper, which kind of dates myself because <laughs> there are no ads in the paper anymore. Um, and it was for a housekeeping position. Um, it indicated it had flexible hours, that it was cleaning apartments across the Columbus area. I had no idea what I was walking into. I had no idea I was walking into a corporate housing company. All I knew is it was to clean apartments. 
So I met with the general manager and when she met me, she liked what I was studying, liked what I had to say and said she could work with my um, class schedule. So for me, it was a win. I was like, this is great. I can go to school. I can work. And I really started learning about corporate housing and how businesses were using it as an alternative to a hotel. And I realized that it was something that I could use my education for um, and that my education would actually help me uh, with this company that I was working with, depending on how far I could push myself or how far they were willing to let me go. I didn't realize that you started in corporate housing before you even finished your degree. So that's even more interesting. But I, I wanted to just come back to this point that you made about the long hours. I feel like there is such a reckoning happening in hospitality right now about work-life balance and about the expectation that people are going to be on property 16 hours a day and all that stuff. So, you know, I wonder if we went back in time and counted up all of the people who didn't take those paths for that very same reason, what our industry would look like today. Anyway, that's enough of my speech. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and ironically enough, you know, when you are, again, servicing people, regardless if it's hotels or restaurants or even corporate housing, it is a 24 um, seven. I think the way you have to approach it. And I think to your point, how you balance work and life really is what makes the difference. People are always going to need something, regardless if they're in a hotel or if they're staying in, uh, you know, an apartment over in London. And so, how you position that and how you build your team is really, I think, the difference. That when you're young, you don't necessarily know that you're going to be able to do all that and be able to balance it all. So, um, yeah, for me, it was a blessing that started that day when I when I walked into that organization and just something that I am truly grateful for 26 and a half years, almost 27 years later, to have been able to experience and, and done everything I've done. So speaking of that, I know that you've done just about every single job there is in corporate housing. And before you started doing what you do now, you spent a lot of time on the operations side as a regional general manager for multiple markets. How did your operations experience inform what you do now? So in other words... Were you like always wishing for better technology platforms to support your when you were on the op side, or was there a different path to becoming a a tech leader in your business? I would say that my operations experience is absolutely what drove me to the tech side. Um, it really started with the first deployment of a new property management system that we were doing um, way back for a company I worked for. And I was selected as part of the train the trainer program. It was brought on to on board to learn the system to then take that knowledge and go to other cities to bring the other markets onto the system. And I really instantly fell in love. For me, I'm a very hands-on learner. So as I learned more about the tech, I learned more about what we could do. And so I constantly found myself working with the IT department um, in either product development or product owner roles and being that liaison between operations and technology of here's what we need to do. Here's what I think we can do differently. Because in hospitality, you know, you must really continue to evolve 
customers and guests and employees are always looking for the next best thing. Like, how can you make the system faster? How can you do more with less? How can you make their workloads more efficient? Or how can you save customers money by still offering quality and service, but using technology to kind of guide that path? And technology, you know, I started to look at the solutions and what became a passion for me was creating those solutions. I learned that if it could be thought, it could be done. So there was really not... Now, not all developers liked me because of that, but it was always more about instead of, you know, saying, no, we can't do that. It wasn't that we couldn't do it. It was more about how much time and how much money are we willing to focus on it. Um, and it became quite fun for me. And it really created this nice uh, synchronization with development that really led me to become deeper and deeper entrenched um, in the designing and the architecture that ultimately led to overseeing um, our IT department and ultimately a CTO. I feel like I have to ask you this because you are so well-rounded in terms of all of the different jobs and disciplines in which you've worked in your business. Everything from housekeeping to accounting to sales. That's where that math comment earlier came from, huh? You were in accounting. I see. I see. Um, What do you think is the area of the industry that you think you know the least about or maybe that you would like to know more about? Yeah, so right now there's a lot of noise in the space around investment capital and raising funds. And I would say that with the technology that is exploding and all of the VC money that's out there right now, it's definitely an area where I'm taking a strong interest in watching what others in the space are doing and trying to learn as much as I can about the approach. Let's take a quick break here, and then we'll get back to my conversation with Robin Joliet, including how Robin's company added wellness to corporate housing and what voice you should listen to on your meditation app. Be right back. Top Floor is sponsored in part by the Hunter Hotel Investment Conference, taking place March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, Hunter brings together the hotel industry's most influential leaders and investors for networking opportunities and insightful sessions on hospitality trends. Deals are built on meaningful relationships and Hunter is where deals get done. For more information or to register, visit www.hunterconference.com. Over the last couple of years, you have spearheaded the development of a new platform for sourcing and selling corporate housing. And I know that you got some pretty amazing and counterintuitive results, more than 30% growth in new business during the pandemic, which is a head scratcher to me and I need all of the details. Can you (laughs) explain what Reside360 is and why it works? Yeah. Reside360 is you know a state-of-the-art marketplace for globally compliant accommodations. We have access to over 1 million accommodations options in 60 countries with over 1,000 partners making up our network. And really, what we've been able to provide for our customers and our guests is a curated option that's you know, built on the standards of duty of care that provides selection and accommodations that really fit their needs 
whether that be their personal needs or their program needs. We've maximized their ability of choice, giving them a vetted list of compliant options, allowing employees to choose the best housing option while still providing corporate oversight to ensure programs are compliant. So we heard from so many of our customers that they really just wanted to allow their employees and their travelers to make their accommodations, but they still had policies. They get to have complete oversight to that while their users are making those choices. Um, They can see them in real time. The system reports out for them, and they really have complete control. But along the way, we are constantly there monitoring and hovering over to ensure that our supply chain and the system and just the avocation that needs to take place for the guests, that human element to make sure that they have someone to talk to, that there are people to answer the questions, there are people to really focus on their needs while they're staying with us or to make sure that they become comfortable with the accommodation all wrapped up into that platform. So letting the experience be digitized, but not ever losing that human element for them. So it's sort of the meeting of high tech and high touch, as it were. Absolutely. Well said for me. (laughs) (laughs) The industry as a whole is very much still bemoaning the loss of business travel. Everyone is still wondering when it will return. You know, I sort of think that from the hotel perspective, business travelers are maybe, or at least during the the heavy parts of the pandemic, were maybe doing a little bit of traveling in disguise where they didn't necessarily book their corporate rates because it was against the official company policy for them to be traveling, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, now people are talking about leisure Mm -hmm. to the end of time, which is not a new concept, by the way. So what I want to know is corporate housing impacted by the same business travel trends that hotels are? Like how is demand impacted during the pandemic? So our industry, very much like all industries, including the hotel industry, was obviously impacted uh, based on quarantines, you know, border closures, the international travel restrictions, and just this overall fear, right? where people had angst about the unknown and the unpredictability that in the, of the world that we are living in, and they just weren't sure. However, we saw the business didn't stand still, which to our surprise, we were pleasantly surprised. Companies d- didn't come to a crashing halt for two plus years. They still kept that level of mission critical travel going. So we saw people that still needed to keep coming. Um, they still were relocating. Was it to the level pre-pandemic? Absolutely not. Uh, were we pleasantly surprised that people and organizations were still having some of their employees travel for business, that they were still relocating folks? Um, so we needed to be able to accommodate them as they were moving you know, from city to city and even internationally where they could? Absolutely. But what we did see in that is that Corporations had this new sense of duty of care and responsibility to keep their employees safe during very uncertain times. They really relied on, I think, partners that they trusted that could be the experts for them and give them, you know, opportunities to understand how it could be done safely and how it could be done better with less lead time because 
travel, if it happened, it was happening very quickly. It wasn't something that was planned. You could no longer plan it two months, one month, even two, <laughs> two weeks. weeks in advance. <laughs> right. Um, so we had to find ways to provide it with less lead time in an economic environment with reduced supply and costs increasing because of all the shortages that were going on. We were able to capture that demand as it was bouncing back during a time when people were afraid, quite frankly, and sad, so sad to say, afraid of other people or being near other people. We really tried to focus our innovation to drive this keyless, contactless arrival experience so that they didn't necessarily have to engage with people if they were uncomfortable doing that. Uh, We started to use tech for monitoring and scheduling our day-to-day logistics management of our field teams, really so that we could monitor everywhere they were and proactively communicate with our guests to prepare them for someone potentially coming to or entering their apartment for their cleaning services ah, or interesting. deliveries. Um, because by notifying them three stops ahead, two stops ahead, one stop ahead, they could mentally prepare for someone's entering my apartment. I need to take my kids and go for a walk or I need to get everybody masked up or I need to get them all into the bedroom while people are in here because I don't want to have interaction. And that not only was for their comfort and safety, that was for our employees as well, so that they could feel comfortable going into and, you know, going in and still servicing um, apartments. We also found that part of the trend was just the communication. And so we, we built a lot of automated workflows and communication to proactively. So how we were communicating prior to the, arrival and guests moving in with us really was around not only things that they had never thought about. So we were communicating on our cleaning protocols and the chemicals we were using to create this comfort to let them know these are the things that we're thinking about. Something that keeps coming up now as we presumably and hopefully are cycling out of this situation is wellness and travel. People have talked about this a lot you know, for years and years and years, but it seems like there's a heightened focus on it. For example, in episode 20, Amy Martin Ziegenfuss talked about Hilton's new five feet from fitness program. And then on the other hand, Curtis Cremens from Roomza talked about getting rid of the fitness center in his new hotel brand altogether. Uh, That was in episode 22. So how important is wellness and fitness and corporate housing? Does Reside have a particular take or a particular point of view on this? In a world where there's a lot of uncertainty and, and a lot of uncontrollable, I think people started to really focus on what was important to them uh, and their well-being, uh, whether that be both mental and physical health, becoming that priority. And I think for people that are traveling or needing to be away from home, they kind of learned that they didn't want to sacrifice that. Things that they took dear and started to implement as part of their day-to-day, they wanted to be able to really incorporate. And we wanted to make sure that we created environments where they could. So about mid-pandemic, we really started looking for new ways to provide health and wellness to service our guests. 
Uh, we actually partnered with an organization named Delos, um, and they are kind of the pioneers in wellness and kind of the real estate industry. They've really been working on transforming these environments in their in homes and schools, hotels, senior living. And so we really wanted to bring that into our accommodations where we could create an environment uh, of placing health and wellness at the center of the design of our uh, accommodation. We focused on aromatherapy, air purification systems, kind of to reduce the pollen and odors and pollutants in the apartment. Um, we had guided apps, uh, guided meditation apps that they could use that were available for them. Have you ever done that? Calm is my favorite. Uh, really? I, I love I love Calm. Matthew McConaughey is also my uh, most uh, famous person. And now that he's on Calm, I love it for a whole other reason. <laughs> okay. I really love the so, sound of his voice. I have never tried a meditation app, but now I'm going to now that you said that. Oh, yeah. They're great apps. Sleep stories are wonderful. I do enjoy the apps. And I, and, and I think they bring this sense of serenity and peace. And, you know, in a, in a world where you couldn't turn it off, things like this would help you turn it off. We worked on Stay Well mattresses and the, the night lighting to create this atmosphere. Um, we put soundscape and then the Stay Well shower with infuser, which was really about removing chlorine and chemicals. So really detoxifying the body and in, in the overall experience. And what we found is as we started implementing this Stay Well apartment, we found that people were truly interested that there was a heightened sense around this living space and, and wellness of the in their living space. And we were able to actually recognize a $2 per night ADR increase because for something like that, we did have to charge um, and people were willing to pay for it. So it really showed us that there was an interest and there was this focus and we were leading down the right path to how people wanted to live and what was important to them. I'm glad you said that you knew the revenue question was going to be my next question. I <laughs> <laughs> preemptively guessed. Yes, yes. Okay, Robin, what advice would you give someone early in her hospitality career who's listening to this, here's your story, and she thinks, I want that. I want to do everything. I want to do every single position, every single department. Should she? Yeah, well, you definitely can do anything you want to do, I believe. And when I get asked this question, I always have the same answer because I truly believe it's what has afforded me so many opportunities within my career is, you know, you have to be willing to say yes. And you can't be afraid to fail. I think early on about an opportunity um, where fear almost stopped me from saying yes. Um, and, it, and it was an important move in my career. And, you know, because like many, I had all the self-doubt that creep upon us. Would I be good enough? Could I do the job? Could I handle the pressure? You know, would the employees or my colleagues or my bosses respect me? And ultimately, the big question is, what if I fail? And I was kind of paralyzed by all the worst case scenarios that I couldn't necessarily see the, what if you did succeed? So after a lot of tears, which were silly when I look back now, and a big shove from my support system, I really pushed past that fear and worked up the courage to say yes. 
And I really never looked back. That one yes became a series of yeses. So when I was asked to work on new projects, I said yes. When I was asked to take on new development or opportunities, I said yes. But I was asked to handle more than just my workload. I said yes. And each and every one of those yeses gave me a new step to climb. But it also gave me a new love and a new passion for what I was doing because I was getting exposed to different things. Did I always know what I was doing when I said yes? Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, there's a lot of times. There's a lot of times I said yes and then said, "Oh my gosh, how I don't know what I just got myself into, and now I have to figure it out." Um, but I was no longer afraid because I knew that I could learn and I knew I could figure it out. As you know, we like to make sure that there are some very tangible tips, tricks, actionable advice that our listeners can try either in their businesses or at home in their personal lives. Um, So since I know that you travel a lot, I have to ask if you've got any great unexpected travel tips that you are willing to release to the public. (laughs) I would use the word great or unexpected loosely. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because I do travel so much. Um, I really don't get into the details. I just kind of show up after doing it for 20 plus years. I I don't really have the time or want to focus, which by the way, drives my husband crazy when we travel personally together. He hates that. (laughs) Um, But for me, what's most helpful is really apps. I will not use a service of any sort without a super clean, easy user interface app that kind of provides all my details at the fingertips. At my fingertips, um, you know, the minute I have to go searching for things in my email is the minute when all chaos uh, happens and my frustration levels get pretty high because that's (laughs) impossible to find. It never fails when you're on the road. You can never find anything in email. Mm -hmm. So I like to use apps that are easy to use, have all my information, my directions, my arrangements, my time, the details. I also like apps that are, you know, have a two-way SMS interface and reminders so that, again, I can text my questions. I can receive updates. Again, I want nothing sent to my inbox. Two apps that I would be absolutely lost without in my travels, and they're silly ones, but for me, they work very well and they kind of keep me grounded and have made me a little bit of an expert, so I think, is I use a MyRadar app. It is the greatest weather app. So when you're traveling, and I use Flightboard, so I consistently understand what's happening with my flights either arriving, when they left, when they didn't leave. I usually know more by that app than the agents able to tell me. And I mirror that. It's just become this habit. I mirror it with the, with the my radar to watch storms and all the weather <laughs> because it's always about will I get there? What, Primarily when I'm coming home is when I focus on it the most, but it's so important. So I make a lot of decisions based on the flight board and my my radar app as to where am I going to de- have the agent move my next flight to? What airport? How am I going to divert? Will I get there? Um, and those are just things that kind of keep me sane. I'm not saying there's anything special about them. That's genius. I don't think most people would have thought of that. I do need to know... Uh, you are transitioning into air traffic control or... Ah, listen, <laughs> there are apps to do that too. We can literally see your plane in the air. Um, and I have, not going to lie, I have probably tracked that. 
<laughs> well, we will link to those apps in the show notes. Um, from a traveler's perspective, there are so many articles that are like crazy tips for your hotel room or things you can do with the equipment that's in there, like the make a grilled cheese with your iron, which is super gross, by the way. Um, if someone is anticipating relocating for a job or another long stay away from home, how can she make the most out of corporate housing? Are there any unexpected things you can do to improve your stay or maybe unexpected or unknown services that you can take advantage of in corporate housing? And don't make a grilled cheese with your iron. <laughs> no, I would never make a grilled cheese with my iron. <laughs> I, never, I didn't even, I wasn't desperate enough to do it in college. I surely would not be desperate enough to do it in a hotel. <laughs> um, for us, the goal is to make sure that our uh, guests have everything they need to be in their home. So we don't necessarily have tricks on how to be more comfortable because our setting and our accommodations are meant to be your home away from home. But I would say to anyone who is relocating or you know on an extended stay, to make the most of your corporate housing is to really find an environment that's very close to what you have back home. You know, your routines, your preferences, your proximity to whether it be your coffee shops um, or, you know, the library or things that are just important to you. I always recommend to people that you read the material and you really rely on your relocation or your resources um, to be your local experts. They're there to help. They, they know the area. They know how to do it. We work with a lot of partners to help create that space so that the things you do have at home or you're used to when you live are there. So, you know, access to local amenities and services through our affiliates program, whether that be gym memberships in any city, car service or delivery, airport shuttle, laundry services. Again, it's important to not change your lifestyle just because you're in an extended stay or you're on a temporary assignment. You deserve to have what you're used to. Good to know. Now we are going to pull out our crystal balls, get out our magic wands. We're going to do a little fortune telling, cast some spells, you know, the usual at the end <laughs> of any podcast recording. Um, what is one prediction that you have for the future of accommodations? Well, people are going to continue to need accommodations. Uh, luckily, we saw that during probably, you know, the worst time any of us have experienced. Um, so whether it's relocating employee or business travelers, or like you said, those leisure travelers, they will continue to want to see a greater digitized experience. You know, one that offers choice and speed and just that peace of mind anywhere in the world. Duty of care, where I really think, you know, accommodations are going to go and the focus is going to be is on duty of care and compliance and sustainability. I don't think these are going to be able to be just buzzwords anymore. I think that corporations and clients are really going to expect to see real actions, real plans, and real results um, when it comes to compliance and sustainability. Um, and organizations will no longer have this ability just to say it, and they're going to have to rally around it to make it meaningful and actionable so that customers, again, really can understand what they're doing and how they're doing, because I don't think we're going to continue to, to be able to just say it, we're going to have to prove it and they're going to have to see it. 
And I think more and more organizations are going to require it. So as more RFPs come out, as people are looking for partnerships, this is going to be a table stake that people are going to have to deal with. I think you're exactly right. If you could wave your magic wand and change anything about the process of travel, what would it be? My answer is silly, uh, but it would be the GDS system. <laughs> <laughs> That's not silly. Uh, I agree. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Right. Right. Again, I, I want to. I want to be respectful. Obviously, you know that system was built in the 1960s, and it truly has withstand the toughest of time. And it has had some evolution as a system, but the infrastructure just hasn't caught up to where the accommodation world has has gone. Um, it is complicated. It is not the easiest system to integrate with or work with, especially in our industry. Um, so I would love for it to be easier. If I had the one wish, uh, it would be definitely how to bring it to, you know, a new level that could encompass a different type of accommodation and just be friendlier. Uh, to work with, not necessarily just for users, but again, on the tech side, taking what that, that solid infrastructure that it has and bringing it to the next level would be my wish. Even changing the character counts that you can put in every little field would be <laughs> an <laughs> upgrade. So <laughs> oh, bless their hearts. Very so complicated. What, <laughs> what is next for you and what's next for your company? Oh my, um, there's so many exciting things that are happening right now for us. Um, we are deploying our new digital marketplace in April. So our 360 platform will continue to encompass compliant vetted product offerings to corporations and their travel as a single source aggregation tool built to really complement their business style and needs. We've designed it with accountability of procurement and risk management and quality and safety kind of all rolled into that digitized experience while still allowing for the element of human touch where needed and wanted. Um, this project has been a big labor of love for me the last 12 months, and I'm super proud of what we've designed and developed as a team. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I believe that we're uniquely positioned right now in our industry as the tech leader and I'm really looking forward to showing our industry partners, those outside the industry, our clients, and even new prospects, this well-thought-out, well-engineered solution we have in store to deliver. Hey, real quick. Every hotel person has that story. You know the one. The story that drops people's jaws and makes people cry laughing. Our business is the perfect breeding ground for crazy, hilarious, outrageous tales. And it's time to tell yours. Please join me at the Hunter Conference, March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, where I will be hosting Loading Dock Live. You'll have the opportunity to record your best Loading Dock story for a future episode of Top Floor. For more information about Hunter, visit hunterconference.com. And for more information about how to sign up for Loading.Live, visit topfloorpodcast.com forward slash doc. Okay, folks, before we tell Robin goodbye, we are going to head down to the Loading Dock where all of the best stories get told. 
going down. Robin, what is a story that you would only tell me on the loading dock? <laughs> well, like you, I'm sure uh, I have many. So I had to think hard about what would be an appropriate story to tell. Um, <laughs> Everything's but, appropriate. <laughs> but I would say uh, one, of the, one of the stories that has really stuck with me all these years is probably one of the most, uh, what I guess I would say, uncomfortable little horrific uh, escalations I've ever really experienced in a time way back in my career um, where we had a very high level uh, banking executive staying with us as uh, banks were merging across the U.S. and moving to Ohio. And I remember receiving a call from a very upset wife of this executive screaming and yelling because she had just found her children who she had left in the car during a, a walkthrough of their new home. She had found them in the backseat of their car, portraying uh, some very uh, inappropriate behaviors that they had seen from a magazine that they found <laughs> stuck between the mattress of their beds. So they found this magazine. They clearly looked at it. It was very inappropriate. And they decided to play photographer in the backseat of the car to <laughs> provide that role play of what they saw in the magazine. So they were recreating the images that they saw. As like seven and five-year-olds. Yeah. It was Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know if you're ever prepared for that phone call. Um, there's not a lot you can do, but utterly empathize and apologize profusely until you can calm a mother down because it was bad. Needless to say, our cleaning protocols changed. Yes. And I understand that there is certainly some, you know, fault on on your side in terms of like, should there be a dirty magazine left behind from a past guest? Absolutely not right. gross. But I also feel like maybe you were taking the blame for a failure in parenting. What do you think? <laughs> you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's interesting. When people are staying with you in temporary housing, you are responsible for everything. You're responsible for the weather. You're responsible for power outages. You're responsible <laughs> for the world as we know it. So it's just something that you become really uh, accustomed to and you have to have a thick skin for. But at the end of the day, our job is to take care of people. And regardless if we believe we're wrong or regardless if we think it's right, we just have to solve it. We just have to do what will make them feel better. And that's what hospitality is really all about. So did you have to, I don't know, in a hotel, you would comp the stay or give oh, them a free breakfast? Threw, what did you have to we, do? Free breakfast. No, there was a lot of money thrown at that situation. <laughs> like, to the point where you start offering to pay for therapy for the children. Because again, it was such a high-level executive and they were in the middle of this merger. So what was at risk for us was so many more moves if we did solve or at yep. least solve it to what they felt was going to make them feel better. Understood. A lot of money. <laughs> Hasn't left my brain ever. <laughs> oh, I bet. That's like, you probably have PTSD from that experience. A <laughs> little bit. Well, Robin, Dahlia, thank you so much for being here. 
I learned so much about corporate housing and I know our listeners did too. So I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor with us. Well, thank you, Susan. I really appreciate the opportunity and it has been great chatting with you. Thanks so much for listening today. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 26. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 